0: Welcome to the Small Nonprofit Podcast, with down-to-earth practical advice on how to get things done in your small organization. You are going to change the world, and we can help. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and today, we're going to be talking about one of everyone's favorite buzzwords, collaboration. Collaboration. I find that this is one of the things that our sector is sort of, you know, really excited about, oftentimes maybe driven by funders, but working with other organizations is not easy. Um, Partnering to achieve your mission can be good in theory, but it doesn't always mean it works out in reality. And so today's guest, Charmaine Hammond, noticed this, and she's created a seven-step model to guide people through the process of building relationships that create impact, specifically around collaboration and partnership. So you'll also hear some of this is related to sponsorship, which I know all of you will love because who doesn't want more uh, feedback and advice on that? So yeah, let me introduce you to Charmaine. She has been in the business of changing lives and raising dreams for more than 25 years, and she's a certified speaking professional, best-selling author, uh, and she's going to share with us all of the learnings that she has now put into this seven-step model. So with that, let me welcome Charmaine. Charmaine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm really delighted to be here today. <laughs> I, uh, I'm really interested in today's conversation. We're talking about partnerships between mm. organizations, collaboration. And I'd love to start with a little bit of how you came to be an expert in this, in this particular area.
1: Well, after I left my career working in the correctional service in Ontario, I went to work for a nonprofit organization and I learned very quickly that as an executive director, a big part of your job is finding money. And so, so I honestly, at that time, that was the early nineties, learned about sponsorship by trial and error, by trying to figure it out as I went. And then I switched careers and actually worked for government. And part of my role there, was giving away money through grants, uh, contracts, and sponsorship. And I learned what it's like to be on the other side of the table. What goes into the decision-making of sponsorship decision-makers when sponsor-seekers approach them? And, of course, most of the funds that we had there went to nonprofits and charities. And then fast forward, when I opened up my business about 23 years ago, um everything i did was related to collaboration and sponsorship or collaboration and partnerships and then i started seeking sponsorship for my own projects i started uh working very closely with nonprofits and then i had a contract for 5 years with a client where i was actually facilitating partnerships between government and nonprofits so i was a community partnership enhancement facilitator <laughs> So I've had lots of work in the partnership and sponsorship arena, and um, it all comes down to, you know, one of the, th- one of the things we'll talk about, I'm sure today is relationships.
0: Mm, absolutely. And I think, you know, collaboration and partnerships is one of those things that we always see on funding applications, mm. you know everyone always says like, it's, it would, you know, it's so nice to see organizations work together. Um, <laughs> but that's not always how things shake out in reality. Yeah. And it's hard work. It's hard enough work running our own organizations, but to try and do things in partnership with others mm-hmm. can be overwhelming, stressful, stressful. Yeah. Uh, filled with tension. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there are times when it works great, but that's that's a process. So that's yeah. what we're going to cover today. Right. Um, and so, and you have a framework. You have. Do you want to tell us a little bit sure. about what um, maybe just sort of what the steps are, what the considerations you bet. are you bet. that help organizations do this well.
1: Well, you raised something really interesting a moment ago when you were talking about collaboration can be difficult, and when it works, it's great, <laughs> usually. You're absolutely right. Collaboration can be messy. It can get go sideways quickly. And a lot of times, organizations end up in a, in a situation they're not happy with or doesn't produce the impact or results that the parties thought it would create because they've chosen the wrong fit partners. Mm -hmm. And so really important before you do anything is to really look at why do we want to collaborate if it's for the purposes of funding, which we you're right, we see that all the time now, then if it's for the purpose of that, uh, first of all, who is the best organization or group to partner with and why and build that relationship have a clear plan document agreements, and address issues as it comes up. And our seven-step model that we use at Raise a Dream, which we apply to uh, sponsor seekers, so when organizations are going to look for sponsorship and they're using collaboration as part of that because nowadays sponsors want you to collaborate with them. They don't want to just write the check like the old days. They want to be a partner with you. So the first thing is to identify and research the partners. And this is where you can avoid that mistake of choosing the wrong fit partners. It's the same thing for sponsorship. When you're an organization seeking a sponsor, you want to choose that company that you believe in their brand. You could talk about comfortably and excitedly on media. (laughs) They share your values. Then the second step is after we've um, the second step that we want to do is we've identified them, but we really want to research them. We want to understand with that organization or with that sponsor brand, what matters to them, what drives them, what are their objectives. And after we've done that um, identification and research, the next thing we want to do is start those connections. If it is someone or if it is a group or business that you've not got a relationship with yet, we need to start that connection. Mm-hmm. And we recommend LinkedIn as a powerful, powerful tool for that. Sometimes, and I'm sure you see this too, is sometimes in, in communities, there's sort of like an interagency network group where organizations come together. So they'll often meet one another there. But if you're looking at collaboration for sponsorship, it's highly likely your sponsors aren't at that meeting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And sometimes,
0: you know, well, especially with everything online, it's harder, even if you're at yeah. the same virtual event, doesn't yeah. mean you have that small talk that you would with other people, right? You have to be yeah. more deliberate these days yeah. around connecting with with people, even if they are in the same industry or serve the same populations. Um, so yeah, that's a really important important piece. Before we move on to to the next one, I want to, I'd love for you to share a little bit about, um, in terms of the research and identifying of a good partner, you know, when it, so often, you know, it's not just about what's on paper or on a website, right? It's the culture, it's how people work. Do you have any insight into how we can evaluate, like find that out
1: as we do our research? That's a great question because you're right. What you read on someone's website or what you read on their social media doesn't necessarily um, tell you the inside story. And I will share one tip right now is, if any relationship is tough, challenging or awkward in the beginning, believe me, it just gets tougher, more challenging and more awkward as you go through. But that nobody has that on paper anywhere. So how do you find mm. out about these relationships? This is one reason I like LinkedIn. So I'll often go on to LinkedIn and check out, you know, the executive director of that organization on LinkedIn or that sponsorship manager on LinkedIn for a brand. And I start to get a feel for, um, first of all, who they're connected to. Chances are you might have a first degree connection. So I might phone up one of those people and say, I know that we're both connected to this organization or this, this brand. I'd love to learn more about um, your experience working with them. And so it's almost like a reference check, but not mm-hmm. quite. Um the other thing is go where they are. Go watch them in action. This was really telling for me. I, I there was a couple of um sponsors and organizations that I had wanted to work with about six or seven years ago on a project. And was struggling to kind of find that inside um, intel, so to speak. So I went to an event where both nonprofits were there as well as the sponsors. And I got to see them in action. And what was really interesting is one of the groups, I just thought, wow, this isn't a fit. Um, they were at their booth and weren't making eye contact with anyone and weren't engaging. Um, they were gossiping about other groups that were there. Oh. <laughs> and so I thought, wow, this, this was a great learning for me to see. It's just not the right fit. And the other ones, I thought, oh, this is great. You know, there's some real synergy and I got a chance to meet them. So you can go where they hang out and talk to them. Mm,
0: that's so great because it's so true. <laughs> um, all right, so we've identified and done our research as much as possible, not just on the surface, but figure out if, if there's a good fit um, culturally.
1: We've made a connection. What happens after that? Oh, then we go into the discovery call or discovery conversation. And this is the part that most people start to feel uh, find discomfort with, or even where their confidence is challenged. So this is where we're either picking up the phone, uh, where we've already reached out. So now we're actually getting on that phone call that very first communication. And my experience has taught me that generally, when it's sort of nonprofit to nonprofit, or like organization to organization, people seem to have a lot stronger confidence with that, because they can quickly dive into talking about The services, the program, what's going on in the industry. When somebody is uh, reaching out and doing the discovery call with a sponsor, with a brand, I hear from organizations that that feels more uncomfortable. They're a little Mm -hmm. bit nervous. And Typically, what happens when people are nervous is they jump right into, we've got this amazing gala event. We think you'd be the best sponsor for our fundraiser. We'd love to have you be our sponsor. And the sponsor is thinking, wow, you don't even know anything about me. (laughs) It's a little (laughs) forward. Right. So resist the urge to start telling them all the reasons why they should be a sponsor or a partner or a collaboration partner. And use the discovery call to discover things about them by asking Mm. lots of questions.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, we're gonna dive into this a a little bit more, because there's a few questions I have. So the first is more of a point, which is now is the time if you haven't gotten a sense before, if they're a good fit, now is your time, you're interviewing (laughs) them as much as they're interviewing you, so to speak, right? Like, Absolutely. This is, you don't want to go past this point without knowing that you can work together. Um, I'm a huge believer in the ask and listen more than talk, uh, especially for these kinds of discovery calls. Can you share with us some of your favorite sort of, I call them spark questions, right? Those questions that are going to spark a deeper conversation.
1: Yeah. So one of them I've used and some of it will depend on the personality type Mm -hmm. of the person you're talking to. I had someone who was very serious and had very short answers to everything and so we were doing the normal chit chat that you do on the first few minutes of a call and i said so what's putting a bounce in your step right now in 2021 what kind of projects are is your brand getting behind that are just making people feel good and the energy completely shift because they got to brag on themselves mm. and and what started happening is because the sort of the energy and the tone shift, he started identifying all kinds of things that matter to the company. So within a few minutes, he said, you know, we've really partnered with, um, more now than ever with group projects where there's a number of nonprofits. And he said, we've been bringing our staff and they've been engaged for the first time ever in projects that we're getting behind. So I'm listening and I'm writing down employee engagement (laughs) groups. (laughs) So you're, you're getting a sense. The other ones are around their audience. So tell me more about who you serve. What are the audiences that you're looking at at 2021, 2022? Um, Sometimes I'll ask them questions around, um, you know, how is the current situation right now affecting your organization or your brand as it relates to partnering, sponsorship, collaboration? And that's when you sort of, you will gain some helpful intel. We had one sponsor I asked that question with, and he said, um, for the first time ever, in the history of our business, we're having to say no a lot. Mm. And he said, we, you know, our business has been deeply impacted Mm -hmm. uh, by, you know, what's happening in the world right now. And um, we are having to look at other ways to support organizations. So he said, we are really looking for, this was interesting. He said, we're looking to partner with other brands so that two sponsors can work with one organization to bring better impact. And I thought, Oh, that's, that's an interesting perspective from a a sponsor brand. Mm. And all those examples you gave are such meaningful
0: insights to move the conversation forward. So Mm. I really love those examples. So let's say we have Okay, before we go into the successful discovery call, I'd like to talk about an unsuccessful (laughs) one. I know this isn't part of the seven steps, but there must be examples, especially between or I mean, in both situations, but between organizations.
1: Yeah.
0: How do you, if let's say you're like, "Mm, not going to work, how do we gracefully Exit that situation <laughs> and not, you know, and and keep that um positive relationship. I right. mean, maybe there's opportunity to work together yeah. in the future. Who knows? How do we do that in a way that protects those relationships?
1: Yeah, that's a really important question because I've certainly been on lots of calls where very quickly I can see that we probably can't help the sponsor. We're the wrong fit for the sponsor, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing that. And so I might start asking questions like, um, uh, you know, because we have so many contacts and we participate on so many projects, I'd love to hear more about the other types as well of partners that you're looking for, audiences that you're looking for. So I'm slightly shifting it away from me now, and then they'll give me more information. Sometimes we end up, oh, maybe it is a fit now and we continue. But um, there's been times where very clearly, you know, 10 minutes and it's not a fit either from a value perspective. I had one sponsor that I was talking to and the way that they talked about their clients and community and nonprofits just was clearly different from how we talk about it. And I thought, wow, I think this is going to be a challenge. So I just kind of said that this is just so helpful. And I have a few more questions. But right now, we're just starting to learn about the different brands and explore where there could be synergies. And if I've decided that I'm not, I don't need to call this person back again, I wouldn't say that. But what I do say is, I would love to keep the lines of communication open. Do you would you be okay, if at some point down the road, if we've got some updates on this project, that I might pop you over a quick email, and just give you an update. The reason we do that is because they may not be the right sponsor. But they are connected to somebody and I've had that happen, where I might say I'm struggling to find some of the synergies I thought, you know, the reason I reached out to you is because I thought there could be some but as we're talking, I don't know that our project could help you but I'd love to hear who you think I should be talking to. Mm-hmm. And I have had sponsors, I just had this two weeks ago, where one of the sponsors said, you know, it's a no for us. But if you talk to the, t- these two groups, and I said, no, I, I don't have any relationships. And he said, great, let me connect you. Wow, and, love and it. Introduction. So had I have just sort of mm-hmm. written that off, and um, ended the call, I would never have got those two new mm-hmm. introductions.
0: Do you have an example, like organization to organization, where... It, again, on the front, it looks great, like mission alignment, good uh complementary services, but that it just did not like that discovery
1: call did not go well yeah there were I, I can think of lots of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the calls that I can think of was two nonprofits that were trying to find a way to come together on a project. They both had a similar audience. they both served um young parents and they had programs for the children. They were trying to figure out a way that they could, you know, share office space or share staff or share resources. And it was becoming problematic because of the guidelines that each organization had to follow for their funders. So one was government funded and very highly regulated. The other one was funded more through donations and Mm -hmm. fundraising, and they had different requirements. And so what they decided to do was that they were going to focus on a new program that they could do together, which was an educational workshop, actually, for nannies, uh, sort of a parenting program for nannies. And that's where they came together on and then were able to share space. But they were really... um, As they were going through, it was starting to look like this isn't going to be a fit. And it can be frustrating because people were also feeling guilty that they, you know, they couldn't bring things to the table. Another example is where I've seen executive directors or program managers get super excited. They've got this collaboration going, then it goes to the board um, and it falls apart, right? (laughs) <laughs> and then oh, no. someone has to go back to the other partner organization. And that's a really awkward conversation, especially when both organizations are in the same community.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and so I've seen that happen as well, where it's moving along beautifully. Um, and sometimes the board may not have all the information information. What I have seen that is a good um, cure to that, we ha- I had a similar situation when I was involved in uh, a nonprofit, and uh, we were bringing an, is- an opportunity forward and there was, I'd say, kind of almost half and half, half the board loved it, the other half was skeptical. So we actually brought the other organization in so that they could, so instead of it all mm-hmm. coming from me, th- because the questions they would ask me are very different than, than they would ask the yeah. organization. And they got to see what this organization was like. The organization brought in some photos on a slideshow of, you know, their work. And so the, the board could start seeing, hmm, we share a lot in common. Like, maybe this is a no-brainer. Maybe we should be looking at it. But I think it was because we brought the person we were talking about mm-hmm. into the mix instead of me trying to keep conveying, you know, why this is important. Excellent.
0: So we have a good fit. After the discovery call,
1: how do we move forward to actually make things happen? So when you're doing a collaboration with another organization, this is where you want to start putting everything um, into a plan. So this could be where you create your collaboration agreement. And we have templates that we use for that. But basically, a collaboration agreement between two organizations is answering who, what, where, when, why, and how. Who's part of the program? Uh, The best um, example I have is one from Jasper, Alberta in Canada, where they had it was the FCSS that sort of spearheaded this collaboration and they called it the drop in the bucket. And this is a beautiful example of what happens in the social profit, nonprofit sector is often people, organizations get grants for like a 0.2 FTE. I don't even know what you do with that. (laughs) (laughs) Or a 0.4. And so individually, all those little point whatevers can't serve the population the way the organization wants to. But what if, what if you brought together those organizations with the 0.2 and the 0.5, and you brought in some funders like education and government who also have small pockets of money. What if you put all those drops into a bucket? Well, what happened for Jasper is they created an incredible community service that met the needs of many program areas. Why did it work? they created collaboration agreements Mm. and they had relationships and they talked about issues, but the collaboration agreement was key. Now, if you're in this next step here um, of, of agreement, if you're looking at a sponsor, if this is a sponsor type collaboration, this is the point where the sponsor is probably saying, can you send me something? Mm -hmm. Shoot me over a proposal. This is where you want to put it in writing. This is where great ideas can tank quickly
0: and what Mm. I mean by
1: that is I when I do proposals with sponsors I get them to help me write it so I don't send a proposal until it's already a yes or an almost heck yes I don't want any surprises I don't want them to read this and say what was I this the same call I was on Mm -hmm. so I say to them absolutely I can put something together what would you like me to send you who else is going to be looking at it? Just you? Okay. Oh, you've got to bring in some other team members. What will they want to see? How many pages? What do I not need to cover? What do I need to ensure is in yeah. there for you to take this forward and sell it? Love it. Love and it. And then if they say yeah. budget, this is where we'd also comes down, <laughs> right? Oh, and put your budget. Great. <clears throat> what kind of budget do you typically work with on a project like this? Are there parameters on budget that I should be aware of? Is there a top end that I want to make sure I don't go over? Yeah.
0: Excellent. <laughs> so we write it down. We have a, an agreement. And I, I like that way of f- framing it because whether it's between organizations or with um, like a, a brand, yep. that agreement is like, as you said, it's taking all the things we've already talked about and putting it down on paper. Mm-hmm. Um This is where the rubber hits the road, and we have—I'm assuming—the relationship part and and dealing with the ups and downs of uh, of implementation. So, how do we navigate that? So,
1: this is where we fulfill. So, this is where we're all doing what we're supposed to be doing according to the agreement. Now. Things will go sideways. You all know that you've you've planned your big <laughs> gala event. It's your big, you know, your big fundraiser, and something goes sideways. You didn't get, you weren't clearly going to get the people that you had promised to a sponsor, or you can't deliver on something that you promised to the other nonprofit organization. You've got to have these conversations. Mm-hmm. Don't let there be surprises. What I have learned is the earlier you bring a possible issue forward the more support you get in the solution mm. because nobody at this point wants to see failure. Everybody's committed. So let people be part of the solution. Um, you know, make sure that you communicate. If if you have to be reminding people about them not delivering on what was agreed to in your collaboration agreement or your sponsor agreement, just politely just say, I want to do a check-in. And I actually like to have scheduled check-ins. We do that with our collaboration partners. We do that with our sponsors. Just, we call them touch base calls or quick check-ins. Awesome. Um, What comes next? And then, so we've done the fulfillment. We're all delivering what we said we're going to deliver. We're changing the world together. <laughs> we're dealing with issues as it comes up. And then the last part is that that closing the loop. Your project is over. Your event is done. The sponsor agreement is concluded. And with this, again, we never let there be a gap in the loop. So once we conclude on what we were going to deliver on and we've wrapped up the contract and all those final Pieces are done, like a fulfillment report or follow up report or closure meeting. Then we continue to say thank you and keep in touch and build the relationship. And I actually schedule in my calendar mm. every mi- ev- minimum every other month to reach out to people. So I might go and quickly search, oh, what's on in the news about that nonprofit organization? and then i'll say oh i was just watching the interview your executive director did on global tv it was phenomenal so that's i don't reach out with any ask i just keep in touch and be a champion for them awesome i love that and then rinse
0: and repeat right we start the process <laughs> all over all again all over <laughs> again um, i love i i love the framework i think it's so you know people love steps it's easy to follow along and i think those are certainly what you described is very true of my experience. Um, and I know will resonate with a lot of people. Uh, and, and you know, now is such an interesting time for oh. collaboration um, as organizations are working more remotely and, you know, staffing is done differently. Do you have any sort of final thoughts on collaboration between organizations during Covid and how we can or any any insights or experiences on how to make it work when you're not in the room together, maybe even never being in the room together.
1: Yeah, it's certainly like even from a team perspective within individual workplaces, one of the things I do know imp- that's so important is to keep in touch probably far more than you mm. normally would if you were all in the same work environment. So find those reasons to come together that aren't necessarily all work related. What do I mean by that? Well, most people are having their team meetings and their, you know, their Friday staff meetings, which is awesome. And that needs to continue. But what people are missing is that 10 minute touch base as they run down the hallway to get a coffee before they head to the next meeting. Boy, are they and, ever. Right? <laughs> <seeing that> girl, <laughs> it? Yeah. Exactly. People are missing that as I'm driving to my meeting, I'm mm-hmm. going to stop in and get, you know, a copy. And I see one of the other neighborhood organization staff there and we chat. People are missing those impromptu conversations. So I am loving what I'm seeing from some organizations and even businesses where they're doing things like one of them has a Friday recipe club. Mm. So every week, they share a recipe, somebody's, it's somebody's term to share a recipe, they send the recipe on the Monday, and then people can make that lunch and they come to their meeting with their version of that recipe. (laughs) And I thought, isn't that fun? Another one is doing a book club. So they have a Wednesday, I think it's on Wednesday's book club. Another one is doing um, meditation and yoga classes mm-hmm. with their staff. So it's a coffee break, 15 minutes. And they have found a local yoga instructor that rotates going between um, yoga and meditation for a 15 minute coffee break. And awesome. I thought, that's amazing. It's a fun way to bring people together. And a lot of that would happen Uh, You know, a lot of times in a workplace, people go and do the stairs together at break, or they go Mm. for a walk around the block. So if you can find ways to replicate what existed that people valued, and it brought them together, that's a great thing to do right now while we're all not working together.
0: I love that. Charmaine, where can our listeners learn more about
1: you and your work? Mm, thank you. The best place to go would be our website, raiseadream.com. And on social media, we're the same handle, Raise a Dream. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's, uh,
0: again, I think this is so relevant to organizations Um now I don't. I want to say now more than ever. I think it's always been important, but more and more there's pressure and expectations around collaboration, mm-hmm. um, and how to do that well is not always straightforward. So That's thank so you, true. thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. And of course to all of our listeners, thank you as always for tuning in. I really look forward to uh, being in your ears next week. We'll see you then. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week.